You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. Today's reading is out of Luke 24, verse 13 through 27. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking, discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are, have, that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking, at, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened there in these, last, in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people. And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But him, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Happy Resurrection Day. This is the word of the Lord. Help us, Jesus, to hear your words, to see your truth, to trust in your death, to hope in your resurrection, and to see you in all the scriptures. Help us. Believe what we've read, what we've listened to. Help us to repent in light of what we've read and listened to. Help us to be transformed by what we've read and listened to by the words that you've said. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome again to Christ Church. My name's Clint. I'm one of the pastors here. As the lights come up a little bit, I can see all these fun Easter colors out there. Thank you for getting in the mood with me. Some people go to church a couple times a year, and some people get dressed up at church a couple times a year. And Nathan and I, we tuck our shirts in a couple times a year, Christmas and Easter. I'm just going to take a few minutes up here, but let me pick up where Brother, our Brother Skyler left off with that reading there in Luke 24. We're just going to sort of 
do a flyby of Luke 24 um, this afternoon, and it'll be good for our hearts, I hope. And then we'll do a bit of a flyby of essentially the entire Old Testament in just a bit. But let me pick up there in verse 28 of Luke 24. So if you have it open, feel, feel free to follow along or just listen as I read. So they, the, the same folks that uh, Jesus had cloaked himself um, uh, in, in their presence of, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it was toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. Here's where we get it. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why, Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hand, them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Mm. That should be an Easter tradition. Is it an Easter tradition? It ought to be. And he took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. My wife and I love to surprise our boys. They're 11 and 12 now, so it's getting much more difficult to sneak things by them. But just after we adopted our second son, Ivan, Nico was six, Ivan was seven, and we loved surprising them. And one time we drove toward Bernalillo. They had no idea what that was. And then we took a left there. They had no idea where that went. And we were driving to Farmington. And what's in Farmington? Greatest thing on the planet. Grandma and Grandpa are in Farmington. (laughs) Grandma and Grandpa are in Farmington, right? And I was doing such a good job of keeping the secret, the surprise, And we've done surprise restaurants, surprise meals, but those are just across town. I had to hold this in for two and a half hours where we were going, and they're asking questions. They're not recognizing, you know, if you've been down that road, you recognize the beauty, but whatever, six and seven, they're not paying close enough attention to recognize that. But I, I slipped out of, accidentally, I slipped out of fun dad mode for a second into almost but not as fun instructive dad mode. And I said, uh, and we were only 10 minutes from farming, and we were past Bloomfield even. And I said, 
boys, now let's make sure we obey and honor grandma and grandpa while we're here. And Ivan barely spoke English at the time, so he's just rolling with it and um, probably looking over at Nico for like interpretation of what I just said. And Nico's like, we're going to grandma and grandpa's. That's where we're going. And Joanna's like, way to go. Way to go. I blew it. I blew it. And the boys knew it. And I get reminded every time we go to Farmington now that I blew that surprise. God, God loves to surprise his children too. And his timing and his delivery, especially the one on Resurrection Sunday, is perfect. He never misses a beat. He reveals his son in the most perfect way and we're thankful for it. In our call to worship this afternoon from Nathan, he read uh, Luke 24, the, the early part of Luke 24, the story of the disciples, the first ladies, um, and, then, and then a few men after that going off to the tomb, discovering it empty, wondering what is going on? Where's this going? And then Skylar, as you heard, read for us the two disciples on the road, surprised that a stranger couldn't recognize, turned out to be their saving redeemer. Talk about a surprise when that bread broke. And then finally, this part that I just read, Jesus himself in their midst, showing off his healed wounds, proving what kind of king he truly was, a supernatural, forever living, death-conquering king. So whereas normally on a Sunday here, we would center on one shorter text and spend 30 or 40 minutes unpacking it. I'm just going to take a couple of minutes here and, and as I said earlier, um, fly by Luke 24. And part of that's because we have a lot of work to do in that water later on in the service. Just a quick uh, two-point outline for what we're going to see in Luke 24 to hang our thoughts on. First, we see a confused companions, which we've already seen, and then a surprising Savior. So the scattered and the scared disciples, they were very frustrated and confused on Friday. Their friend, he was dead. Their hopes for a restored nation of Israel, their, their, their longing for this exodus out of Egypt kind of win against Rome, these were dashed. Saturday must have been very quiet, must have been very sad. But at the tomb on Sunday, as we saw, things begin to pick up a bit, yeah? When, when the two Marys plus Joanna, they head for the tomb, in one sense, their confusion grows all the more. These ladies, after a very long and sad Saturday off, mourning the death of their greatest friend, they were determined that early in the morning, they would push through the dried blood on his body. They would push through the rotting smell of his carcass to serve their fallen friend. But when they arrived, no body, no blood to push through, no smell to bear through, no need for embalming, only angels announcing, correcting them. Those expensive spices and those downcast faces that's for a tomb, and this was no longer a tomb. They'd come looking for the dead, and he said, why are you looking for the dead here? And here we are. Here we are on a Sunday here at church. We've come, perhaps we're like these ladies, looking, looking for the one and only Jesus Christ. 
But are you here for a, a sleepy, even a dead religious experience? Or have you come looking for a risen, living Savior that redefines everything in this world, both outside of you and inside of you? Has going to church become an occasional, traditional pastime for us? Or even a regular religious duty for you? Or just a simple social hour with a few spiritual points on the side? Maybe even a good luck charm for this next week of work or this next week of play. Or maybe Jesus is a new curiosity for you. Are you looking for the dead, though, among the living? Be careful, friends. Whether you would call yourself a Christian and have for a long time, or this is brand new to you, be careful in this river called biblical Christianity. Because you may, this, this is no, this is no uh, wet and wild, lazy river. This is a river in Africa, and that log that you see floating by you, isn't it odd that though it looks dead, it is floating upstream, and it is floating towards you with intention and picking up speed, that thing is alive. It's a crocodile and it wants you. Jesus is alive and he's headed towards you and he wants you. And the best thing that could ever happen to any one of us, whether we have been a Christian for years or just now looking into him, is that he could latch on and take you under. After we're done here, We'll be baptizing five new Christians. Jesus got them, latched down on them, and has taken them under. And he can get all of us. Maybe you're not like the ladies at the tomb. Maybe you're more like the brothers on the road, walking, wondering, just as confused as the ladies, uh, surprised that this stranger walking with you hasn't heard of Jesus and all the drama. This executed carpenter who you'd, you'd hoped would win the day for the oppressed Jews once and for all. But just as the, as the stranger explained, they didn't get an earthly king full of political power. They got a conqueror of death itself. A forgiver of sin. A rescuer of rebels. So... Have you come? Have you come to church to get your yearly or monthly or even weekly fix of Jesus? But, but perhaps you've mistaken Jesus for the guy that fixes everything but you. Maybe we're too focused on the external side of life that we fail to see that Jesus came to redeem all of fallen creation, starting with us and our relationship with him. You won't find an empty, external, go-through-the-motions religion here at Christ Church. I hope you won't. And you definitely will not find it in God's Word as you dig deep into it. You won't find either a unified political agenda in this building or in God's Word. You will only find an empty tomb, a God-man victorious over you, and victorious over me, victorious for you, and victorious for 
me, a God-man who himself cheated death, turned death's poisonous power in on itself, trampling over death by death itself to free you and me forever from death. What a sweet surprise that God has for his children in these stories. When at just the right time, his perfect son hit the scene in history and in scripture. And on that road and in that room on resurrection day, he took the time to set hearts on fire and to open eyes and open mind to the revelation of who he truly is. How loving he is. How forgiving he is to those who trust in him alone. Twice in this chapter that we saw, Jesus turns their attention where? Towards the scriptures that they already had. First on the road with the two men in verse 27, beginning with the Moses, so that means all that Moses wrote, and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then in the room, it says that all the disciples were there gathered in the room, and Jesus says, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus burned those hearts. He opened those minds by interpreting God's words, his words, Christ's words even, for them to help them understand it. Our problem is not outside of us, friends. It's inside of us. We are slow to believe. We are slow to understand. And so this is why we come in every week, not for a good luck charm in the next week of our life, but so that our hearts might be lit on fire for Jesus and so that our minds and our eyes might be opened to his truth. Pray that as we open the scriptures, your heart burns and your eyes open and your minds open. This is not a dusty, out-of-date religious book containing mere myths or legends of a dead Jewish carpenter turned failed revolutionary. It's the very God-breathed, double-edged, bone-splitting, marrow-spilling, soul-exposing, sin-confronting, Salvation-bringing word of God. And it's alive. And the God of this book is after you. And he will use this to get you all the more and to clamp down on you. And life, friends, is worth the living just because he lives. Work is worth the working just because he lives. Family is worth the drama, just because he lives. Play is worth the playing, just because he lives. Art is worth the arting, just because he lives. Marriage, worth the marriaging, just because he lives. Singleness, worth the singleness, just because he lives. Reconciling with one another, worth the reconciling, just because he lives. The first part of this book the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, they set up the need for our salvation. And the second half, the New Testament, answers all of the questions and fulfills all the promises in Jesus Christ himself. We don't know exactly what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus or in that room when he interpreted all the scriptures for them, but we can imagine that it contained a lot of these texts. So will you bear with me now as we explore the Old Testament and where Christ might have gone to point out who he was and how he fulfilled all of these things. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You shall not surely die. Rather, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman, the woman took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Then their eyes were both opened. The Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the Lord brought Abraham outside, and he he said, look toward the heaven and, and number the stars if you are even able. And God said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. But... But God's people did not keep God's covenant. They refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. He gave them into the hand of the nations so that those who hated them ruled over them. And the Lord said, Have you seen what she did, the faithless one, Israel? Have you, how she went up on every high hill and every, under every green tree, and there she committed spiritual adultery? And I thought, after she has done all this, she will return to me, but she did not return. They left their God, and their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, and they know not the Lord. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, the Lord looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and he relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. The Lord, the Lord is a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations, to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you 
And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all the idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put inside of you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots. It shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall be called, and, his, and he shall be called Emmanuel. But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from the ancient of days. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of the dry ground he was despised and rejected among men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep before it shears the silence. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. He was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken by the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothes they cast lots. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to become righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil among the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. But God, he will not abandon his soul to Sheol. He will not let his Holy One see corruption. Even Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. The stone that the builders rejected has become now the cornerstone. Rejoice greatly, shout aloud, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'll cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold. O prisoners of hope, return. Today I declare that I will restore you double. God promised Abraham, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until the tribute comes to him, and to him shall there be the obedience of all the peoples. And the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your, in, your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish along the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are those who take refuge in him. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the child, the child shall lead them they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is the word of the Lord. hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.